0: There's nothing quite like being in an airplane at about 35,000 feet. Depending on what airplane or aircraft you're in depends upon what speed you may be flying across the globe. But what is, for me, and, and, and I've logged a lot of flying miles I mean, a lot of them. There was a three-year period in my life where I was on an airplane just about every week. Um, I have flown all around the world, uh, daytime, nighttime, good weather, bad weather, snowstorms, heat, you name it, okay? And I guess probably for me, the thing that I just can't ever get over is every time I get in an airplane and take off and we kind of are passing through and as you're passing through the, the altitudes and you're making your way up to your cruising altitude. Of, and I always, every time I get on an airplane, the, the, it's either an aisle seat or a window seat. And I prefer a window seat. say, so why in the world do you prefer a window seat? Because I love to look. And let me say something to you this morning. It doesn't doesn't matter, and I've done it for years. Every time I get on an airplane and we're passing through all of those altitudes, I've never ceased to be amazed at what I see. Everything from now, and I will tell you, I love flying at night. How many of y'all like flying at all? How many of y'all couldn't stand to fly? How many of you have never been on an airplane? There's a few hands that have gone up, okay. How many of you got on an airplane and once you got off of it, you said you'd never go on another one? Huh? Sure. I love flying at night. And let me tell you why I love flying at night, especially when it's clear. Because when you gaze out through the window, I mean, it's just breathtaking. It's absolutely the most amazing thing I've ever seen. And then as you look down at the ground, and as you're flying along, you see all of these little places where they're lit up. And then you see all of these areas where there's, you don't see any lights. Now, it's just, it's the most phenomenal thing I've ever seen, and let me tell you something, every time I get off of an airplane now, okay, oh, one time we took off, I was headed to California, matter of fact, we were headed to the San Francisco Bay Area, and we took off out of Cincinnati, Ohio, uh, headed that direction, and we got delayed on the runway, and matter of fact, how many of y'all have ever gotten delayed on the runway where you sit on an airplane on the tarmac getting ready to take off for three and a half to four hours? Anybody? Okay. Been there, done that. Okay. And uh, kind of gets a little uncomfortable in the airplane. But finally, we got our release. We got ready to go. And let me tell you, the reason that we were delayed was because of some significant thunderstorm squall lines that were just coming in one right after the other. And I thought, well, this is going to be a fun flight, okay? This, this is going to be entertaining. You say, entertaining, yes, uh, very much so. As a matter of fact, when we got the clearance to take off, the pilot come over. And, as a matter of fact, he told, I was sitting up near the front, sitting in a window seat, and right across from me were two of the stewardesses. And they got a phone call from the cabin, and the pilot says, nobody is to be up on this airplane, including all of the attendants, until I tell you to. And I thought, hmm, this is going to be fun. This is gonna be fun. We got a window in between two thunderstorm squall lines, and so as he took off, we're going up through and he is he is he is carving his way through these squall lines. I'm looking out the window. It is lightning, it's lighting up the sky, okay? You see these massive clouds with decks probably 34,000 feet, okay? And I mean, it's just the most amazing thing I have ever seen in my life. And here's what I thought. The power that is contained inside of those lightning bolts, inside of those clouds, we can never begin to imagine. And I began to think to myself and to think that the power of God is far greater than any of that. And I stand in awe of Genesis chapter 1. Verse 2 through verse 25 and then on through verse 31 of this chapter. Let me ask you a question. Do you stand in awe of God and who he is today? We should. But sometimes I think we've lost that to stand in awe of the one who created all that there is, to stand in awe and reverence of the very God of creation, the one that is all-powerful. And we as the creature today are able to worship the creator because he's the one who created it all to begin with. And so for us, it's a privilege to be able to worship him. It's a Privilege for us to be able to stand in all. And I honestly believe this today. The church needs to get a renewed awe of who God is. Stand and have reverence of who he is and understanding fully who he is. I mean, when you come to verse two of Genesis chapter number one, it's interesting when you look at the words here. It says that the earth was formless and void. That's two interesting words, formless and void. In other words, it was chaotic. There was confusion. The Hebrew words here in verse number one speak of chaos and confusion and the darkness that was upon the face of the deep, the emptiness that was there. An empty, chaotic, confused form that was there. And darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters You see, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2 through verse 28, we see the determined results of creation. And so as we consider that word in verse number 1, in the beginning, God created. From verse 2, we're given an insight into what this looked like before the creation process began. What's really interesting is when you take Genesis chapter 1 and you kind of put it into really two components, here's what you find. Days one through day three, we find God forming the environment. Day one through day three, the forming of the environment. In days four through day six, we find where God fills that environment. So you have the forming of the environment and all of Those things that will contain all of the living that will be inside of them. Day four through day six is God then fills all of that environment with all of the living things. But out of all of this, here's something I I want you just to kind of connect with this morning. is God speaks effortlessly, absolutely effortlessly. His word is obeyed by the power of his word. And we will see that. You know, the word, when you look down through, just just kind of gander at some of the verses here. Verse 3, then God said. Verse 6, then God said. Verse 9, then God said. And it just goes on throughout that chapter. The word, let there be, that comes After that, verse 3, let there be light. Verse 6, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters. Let the waters below the heavens be gathered into one place. Let the earth sprout vegetation. Over and over and over again, we see that phrase, let there be. God spoke, let there be. And let me tell you what you see. You see an immediate response to the word of God. You say, well, how do you know that? Well, go back up to verse number 3. Then God said, let there be light. And guess what? There was light. The immediate response to the very spoken word of God himself. So what does that say for us? It speaks to the very sovereignty of God and who he is. And that's why I say to you today, one of the things that we ought to do is stand in awe and reverence of just exactly who God is. You and I are here today because of him. We're worshiping today because of him. Everything that you see around you, all the the living, we owe to him. Why? He is the creator. That's who he is. Matter of fact, he's the one who spoke light into existence. He said, let there be light. And guess what? There was light. Verse 3 through verse 5, I want you to notice as we begin this description of creation and then God said let there be light and there was light God saw that the light was good and God separated the light from the darkness God called the light day and the darkness he called night and there was evening and there was morning the first day or one day that you see first day of creation, as light and darkness is separated, and as, as we see that, separated into, of course, the evening and the morning, all of this under the creating hand of God himself, God and God alone is the source of light, and as we consider that in the magnitude of all of this creation, the separating of the light from the darkness and And God speaking light into existence and separating it from the darkness that is there. When you think of darkness, darkness is the absence of light. Matter of fact, when you look up at at verse number 2, you see what the condition was prior to the beginning of creation. It was formless and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. Now light comes. God separates that light from the darkness. We have the morning and the evening now based on the spoken word of God himself. There's something else that you see here. We see the first of God's evaluation of his creative work in the account. Matter of fact, it's an evaluation of everything so far that has occurred and it's just beginning. When you look at verse number 4, and notice what it says. And God saw that the light was what? That it was good. And then God separated the light from the darkness. You know, God separates things that do not belong together. Light and darkness separated by God to name something. And here's something else that's interesting as you go through creation. To name something. Indicates ownership or authority over it. And here's what I say to people all the time, and I said, well, you know, consider this. God is the one who created it, so therefore, if God created it, he's got the power to do with it whatever he wants to do with it. He's the one who spoke it into existence. He's the one who created it. He's the sovereign God that we serve today. So therefore, if he's the one who created it, it makes sense that he can do with it as he pleases. Creation's an amazing thing. Creation is an amazing subject. When we consider the magnitude of the very power of God. This is the magnitude of the power of the one that we serve and worship today. Are you ready for this? One day we're going to see him. I can only imagine what that's going to be like. We see his sovereignty and his naming the light and the darkness, both. Just in just in who he is. Here's something interesting. The Hebrew literally says it this way. God called to the light. Day. And to the darkness. He called night. I want you to understand it's God who set that. It is God who spoke that. It is God who put that who he is well notice verse 6 through verse 8 we find the forming of the atmosphere in the seas verse 6 then God said let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters and let it separate the waters from the waters You know, it's an amazing thing when you're flying at 37,000 or 38,000 feet, okay? I'm going to tell you something. I I don't know how many of y'all watch this, but anytime they're televising the takeoff of any of the rockets, okay, from the Kennedy Space Center, I'm right there to watch it. Let me tell you why. I love to watch the acceleration, but I also love to watch as they show, as they're moving through the different levels. And as they move through the atmosphere, and to be able to get a glimpse, and then when they finally break through into the orbit cycle, and they begin to show that picture from down on the Earth, I, I'm a, I know some of y'all are looking at me like preacher. You get so okay. Why are you so hung up on that? Let me tell you why. I will tell you why. Because it speaks to the very one that I worship day in and day out. He's the one who put that in place. The amazing thing to me is we get these spacecraft up there and, they, and these rockets and they orbit the earth. And, and to watch that, that the way that the earth was formed and put together as we go through and we look at all these elements of creation. Sometimes I think we lose sight of the magnitude of the power that it took for someone to put something like this into place. Once they get out of the atmosphere and they enter into the orbital cycle, oftentimes for them to be able to reenter back into the atmosphere and, re- and make their way back to the earth, matter of fact, oftentimes what they have to do is they have to bounce off. They have to bounce off of the, that field that surrounds the earth. They have to bounce off of it in order to make their way back through into reentry. In the speed by which they're accelerating... Have you ever watched as they've shown the amount of heat and fire that's coming off as they're reentering and making their way back into the atmosphere that we live in? The only atmosphere in all of the universe that the elements of the atmosphere are absolutely perfect. The expanse in verse 6 through verse number 8, as the atmosphere is created by God, perfect for human life. Only God could have done that. Only God could have done that. Then God said, verse 6, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and he separated the waters which were below the expanse from the waters which were above the expanse. And it was so. God called the expanse heaven and it was evening, and there was morning. A second day. I'll have to admit, sometimes when I've been flying, I've thought, from thirty-seven thousand feet, how long would it take for this airplane to fall out of the sky into the ocean? I've flown over all the oceans. Let me tell you something. Now, when you fly on an airplane, especially if you're going, if you're going across the, uh, the globe, okay. If you're leaving the United States, they have these nice screens on the back of the seats. Anybody want to take a guess on what I watch? How many of y'all watch movies if you're flying that far? Or you watch something else? Okay, you want me to hear what I put on there? I put the satellite because I want to I watch as we're going. And then I tell myself, well, we're headed to Newfoundland. And when we get to Newfoundland, this airplane is going to turn. And I said, yep, from water here all the way to water over here. How many hours is that? Huh? And then you look down. And for hours, all you see is the water. And I'm like, and God put that. Sure hope God holds this airplane together. It's a long way down to the ocean, to parachute. <laughs> but he separated it by the power of his spoken word. We have the atmosphere. Sometimes we have flown. We have We have flown through and around these massive, towering, cumulus clouds that will gather together and go up with peaks as high as 40,000 feet. And I stand amazed. I don't know about you, but I still to this day stand amazed at those things. Just some things I can't get over. See, I love flowers too, okay? Okay? I I really do. Matter of fact, when I was pastoring in South Georgia, and those probably who may be watching live this morning, okay, will remember this: the ladies brought they had they had a they had a big huge bouquet of red roses that they put on the communion table, and I thought those were the most beautiful things I'd ever seen in my life. To me, I'm amazed. I I am mesmerized by the intricacy of flowers. And their colors, I'm a daylily fan. I, okay, I love daylilies, crossing daylilies. Okay, get different. I'm going to tell you something. They've got some daylilies lilies. the most amazing thing in all to, to me. And to think that that all came from the God that we serve today. But these roses were up on the, were up on the I thought, they're the most beautiful things I've ever seen in my life. So I'm up there looking at them, and I mean, I, I, I'm looking at the, the flower itself and, the, and just all of the layers of it, and I'm sitting there looking through all it. and I'm looking at this thing, and I'm going, man, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. So I get down, and I start smelling. I said, man, them things smell good. One of the ladies was snickering over on the other side. And I turned and looked at her, and I said, why are you snickering for She said, you know, those are fake. (laughs) Sometimes I think if we allow ourselves to understand and realize, even as well as mankind can try to duplicate, you can never outdo what God himself has spoken verse 9 through verse 13 we see the formation of the land then God said there's the phrase again let the waters below the heavens be gathered into one place and let the dry land appear and it was so God called the dry land earth The gathering of the waters he called seas and God saw that it was good. Then God said let the earth sprout vegetation plants yielding seed and fruit trees on the earth bearing fruit after their kind with seed in them and it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation plants yielding seed after their kind and trees bearing fruit with seed in them after their kind and God saw that it was good. There was evening and there was morning. The third day. Formation of the land. And the trees. The vegetation. The fruit trees on the earth bearing fruit after their kind with seed in them. And it was so. Of course, the big debate today, and I'm not here to debate whether or not the trees had age rings in them or not. And I'm not here to debate today to what came first, the chicken or the egg. What I'm going to do is give you the Genesis account of the way things were created. And I want you to know very specifically, verse number 11, he said, Let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, fruit trees on the earth bearing fruit after their kind with seed in them. And it was so. And so the earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed after their kind, and trees bearing fruit and seed in them after their kind. And God saw that it was good. I don't know. I wasn't there when he created it. I don't know whether or not the first tree that God spoke into existence had age rings in it. I don't know. Let me tell you something. I really don't care. I don't mean that in a sarcastic way but it makes no difference God is still the one who spoke it into being whether with rings or without rings it's immaterial God created it that's what we stand in awe of is the very power of creation itself speaking of a sovereign God who controls it all anyway puts together for us a land that is Habitable that is complete with all of those things that are necessary to sustain life. I'm gonna tell you something, I don't know about you. Water is an interesting water's an interesting thing to me. Understanding and realizing just how much of the globe is made up of water. But more than that, have you ever just have you ever watched water? How many of y'all ever sat and just stared at water? Anybody? But I know some of y'all are probably thinking, Preacher, tell me you don't sit and stare at water. Let me tell you something. Water is an amazing substance. Let me tell you why it's so amazing. Have you ever watched water that travels back up? Backwards up a direction that it ought to go? Did you know we have rivers in America today that make absolutely, in our minds, it just makes no sense that they flow in a certain direction like north. Water is an amazing substance because you can take and freeze it and it becomes a solid. You can take and boil it and it becomes a vapor, but it's still water and it's still water even when you freeze it. You thaw it back out, you still have the water. And what's interesting is you take water and you just kind of put it on a, on, a, on a piece of board or something and just sit there and run it. It, just, it goes all these... It's just an amazing substance to me. And the necessity of water. And when you think about the necessity of water and how it is necessary and needed to sustain life... My different, listen to me, God is the one who put that in place. Let me tell you something. Genesis chapter 1, I never get over. And i tell you what, I've probably read the number of books I've read on the creation account in Genesis chapter number 1. I've seen it everywhere from theistic evolution on this side to absolute um, whatever on this side over here and everything in between but at the end of the day here's what I'll tell you here's what the word says God said it, it happened and it's in place that's where it is verse 14 see he's got all of this ready He's got all of this ready now, putting all of this together to eventually get to where it's going to be occupied. Look at verse 14. Then God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for season and for days and for years. You know, it's, been a, it's an amazing thing to me that the very tides of the oceans react to the moving of the, of the moon. The sun. How about the moon? The moon is fascinating to me. How many of y'all were ever told about the man in the moon? Any of y'all? When you were growing up? How many of you said there are certain times out of the year that when you look at the moon, you can actually see a person's face in the moon? Really? I don't know how much truth there is to that Okay, but I do see the moon up there, and the moon in all of its quarters, and you ready for this? Happens every year. You see the moon. How about the sun? Sun comes up, sun goes down. Look at verse 16. And so God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night, and he made the stars also. You know what else the scripture says? He's even named them all. in that airplane at 35,000 feet at night, the expanse of all of these stars, and here's what goes through my head. God's named every one of them. Verse 17. So God placed them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth and to govern the day and the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And notice, and God saw that it was what? Amazing is Let me see let me tell you the difficulty. You find yourself at a loss of words to describe further what we have in Genesis chapter 1. Because there's no other words. There's, there, there's, no, there's no other words to give to it. But the very God that you and I worship today. Is the one who spoke all of this. Let me let me say this to you this morning. We ought we ought to, we should marvel and wonder at all of creation. You ready for this? That we get to experience each day. Rain. Let's talk about rain for a minute. How, how many of y'all like the rain? How many of y'all wish it'd go away? (laughs) Rain's an amazing thing. Have you ever watched that process? God waters the earth. Has a whole cycle and process in place. Of the way that all occurs. Oh, by the way, that just happened by chance. Okay. So to light the expanse water the expanse to take care of the expanse god saw to every bit of that you know the things necessary today for the life and well-being of animals and humans were good in god's eyes hold your place in genesis chapter one and turn with me to isaiah chapter 45 and verse 18 isaiah chapter 45 and verse 18 and i want you to notice what the prophet isaiah has to say about all of this. Isaiah chapter 45, verse 18 and verse 19. And I want you to notice what the prophet shares. For thus says the Lord, who created the heavens. He is the God who formed the earth and made it. He established it and did not create it a waste place, but formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord and there is none else. I have not spoken in secret in some dark land. I did not say to the offspring of Jacob, Seek me in a waste place. I, the Lord, speak righteousness, declaring the things that are upright. Notice, as Isaiah said, I did not create a waste place, but formed it to be what? To be inhabited. Now let's go back to Genesis chapter 1, and let's pick up in verse 14. Verse 20, I'm sorry. Verse 20. Then God said, Let the waters teem with swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth in the open expanse of the heavens. God created the great sea monsters and every living creature that moves with which the waters swarmed after their kind and every winged bird after its kind. God saw that it was good. So God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the seas and let birds multiply on the earth. There was evening and there was morning a fifth day. Then God said, verse 24, Let the earth bring forth living creatures after their kind, cattle and creeping things and beasts of the earth after their kind, and it was so. God made the beasts of the earth after their kind and the cattle after their kind and everything that creeps on the ground after its kind and God saw that it was good. The second part of day six then as we move to verse 26 down through verse 30 recounts the creation of humanity, the crown, the very crown of creation itself. So for mankind... The creation of man for what? That we would be God's representative on earth and be like him. And so in closing this morning, let me just kind of kind of bring this particular message to a close. Just with some closing thoughts. We were created by God, created in his image. Created to have dominion over the earth. Are you ready for this? God deserves our worship, our praise, and our obedience. Why? Because he is the creator. God not only gave us personality, minds to think with, emotions to feel with, and wills for making decisions, but he also gave us an inner spiritual nature that enables us to know him, and to worship him are you ready for this? personally here's what I want you to see this morning do you understand and realize that we have the privilege to worship the very one who spoke all of creation into existence I don't know about you if that doesn't speak to your heart don't know what will but that's who he is my question for you today is do you know him do you know him personally for who he is the very one who spoke it all into existence